Welcome to Pomegranate Health, a podcast about the culture of medicine. I'm Mick Cavazzini for the Royal Australasian College of Physicians. In episode 78, we heard from some physicians who found themselves taking up the role of advocate, not just for their own patients, but for broader system change too. Helen Young campaigned to get child refugees off Nauru after seeing firsthand the trauma caused by their detention. Jin Russell raised an army through social media to secure continued funding for a unique longitudinal study in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And health policy lobbyist Patrick Tobin explained how physicians and the college as a whole can best get the attention of parliamentarians. We heard an example of this in the last episode. The Healthy Climate Futures campaign calls on government to make the healthcare system more resilient against the shocks of climate heating and extreme weather events. To complete this series, we're going to hear what happens to advocacy issues after they land on an MP's desk, and how they get churned through the Canberra machine to eventually become policy. Dr Mike Freelander practised for 37 years as a paediatrician in Sydney's southwest, before being asked to take a tilt at politics. In 2019, he was elected to the Federal Division of MacArthur, representing the Labour Party and the people he'd spent his career attending to. Dr Katie Allen was elected in 2019 as the Liberal Member for Higgins, near the centre of Melbourne. She'd worked for 28 years at the Royal Children's Hospital, directed the Australian Centre of Food and Allergy Research, and held a chair at the Uni of Melbourne. The MPs were interviewed over a year ago for an RSCP documentary called The Advocate's Journey that was hosted by Perth Respiratory Paediatrician Dr Rob Lethbridge. Dr Freelander, you used to be the head of paediatrics at Campbelltown Hospital, you're a lecturer and according to your website you've seen over 200,000 patients and so you obviously had a great deal of influence in your community. Why did you decide to make a leap into politics and what new avenues does that give for advocacy? Well I've always had an interest in in politics and uh, what I was finding increasingly with my patients was that many of the issues they were coming to me for were not so much medical issues but more social issues, things like housing, things like schooling support, things like access to different forms of medical care. As you know, my electorate, uh, South West Sydney, we have a number of disadvantaged groups and I was writing lots of letters to politicians, lots of letters to government departments and finding it very frustrating to support many families that were, were really struggling. So I had been asked on a number of occasions whether I would be prepared to stand and, um, you know, I, it, it, it's difficult when you've got a, a busy practice and you're enjoying what you do, but I decided in the end, it more or less out of frustration, that I would give it a go because I think that uh, there are a lot of things we need to change in access to health care and support for families in, in Australia. I think I've been asked that virtually every day that I was running. <laughs> I think the thing for me is that when I became a doctor, um, I very quickly wanted to do more than see patients. I always wanted to try and fix the system. And in fact, that was what led me to do medical research. Very interested in preventative health, uh, very interested in public health, and always trying to work out why people were coming in, into my door in the first place. And so to me, politics is the next natural step from that. Uh, it's about getting inside government to try and help make the decisions that affect each and every one of us each and every day. So has it met your expectations? Have you been able to put forward some of those positions? Well, actually, I have to say it's been 
intoxicating to be in Parliament. And when, when I sort of got into Parliament, people said, oh, you'll find it terribly frustrating because, you know, things take a long time to change. And I said, are you kidding me? I've been in medical research where things can take years to change. I mean, I spent eight years trying to change international infant feeding guidelines successfully. So we have around six months and not before four months. I'd like to say that's my eight years worth of advocacy. It won't win me a Nobel Prize, but certainly changed the lives of literally millions of children around the world. Well, in politics, things happen at lightning speed. Um, people who come from the corporate world probably feel frustrated because they're at one end of the spectrum. Uh, but medical research is sort of at the slower end of the spectrum and uh, politics is somewhere in between. Yeah, it certainly does take a long time in research. And you've got an extensive background in research, obviously. And I was just wondering, what intersection do you think research has with advocacy? Oh, they're very similar. In fact, people say, do you miss medicine or miss research? I've said, I haven't really stopped in some ways. So being a, um, a local member of parliament for my constituencies, like being a doctor, people come and see me, they have problems, I try and solve them. And instead of you know, solving their problems of food allergy, I'm now solving their problems with regards to Visa and Centrelink. So it's still problem solving. It's still dealing with people and the general public. Um, when you're running a campaign, it's like when you were trying to set up a research group, you're, you've got an idea, you've got to raise funds, uh, you've got to talk to the media, you've got to convince people to come with you on the journey. Uh, there's ups and downs. It's often a lot of hard work and not much reward. Um, and then being in parliament is like being at an international research conference, actually. You go to an international conference and sometimes people don't speak your language or sometimes they don't agree with you. Um, and it's about the debate and the respectful debate to get a, a situation where the knowledge is found or the compromise is found. And it's the same here in Parliament. Look, there's always collaboration. I mean, sure, there are, you know, it's a contest of ideas and it can seem a bit nasty if you look at question time, but there is always collaboration. Um, there's always a wish to try and resolve the major issues. Um, the committee work is, is certainly a demonstration of that. Um, I'm the deputy chair of the Standing Committee on Health with Trent Zimmerman's the chair. We work very cooperatively together. I get on very well with him. And, uh, you know, we have very similar ideas. And so do you... Do you get many doctors contacting you with their ideas from the community just because of your background in health? I, I do. I, I get people contacting me about a range of issues. You know, they have, they have something they, they want for their patients and they often ask, you know, what's the best way to go about lobbying for this? There might be a, a new medication that's available overseas for a particular condition, some of the newer anti-epileptics. Uh, there, there, there is a increasingly a push for to consider the uses of medicinal cannabis in some situations. And sometimes the issues are not necessarily just with the Department of Health. It may be the TGA or it might be with a specific company sometimes uh, reluctant to import things into Australia if there's not a big market. So. Okay, so if a doctor was reaching out to their local MP who doesn't necessarily have a science background, what things do you think they should be saying to get their message across? Well, look, I think the worst thing you can do is, is to overcomplicate things and to provide too much information at, at once. I get hundreds and hundreds of emails every day. I do not have time to read every bit of every one of them. And so if you're going to provide information, it needs to be clear, it needs to be succinct, and no more than two Philscat pages, right? And if they can provide that, then you're much more likely to be able to digest the information quickly and send it to the appropriate department or appropriate minister's office. So be simple, be succinct, and understand that 
your individual politician certainly may not be able to change things overnight, but will be able to keep pushing the issue if he thinks it's one of merit and significance, but it does take time. Um, so the first thing to say is know who your member is, know which party they belong to, know if they're in government, uh, read up their background, read their first speech because their first speech is their roadmap of why they're doing what they're doing and what they're wanting to achieve. Um, and then go knowing that information because you're halfway there. You know, it's like, again, as a doctor, when someone comes in, you ask them not just about their abdominal pain, you ask them, you know, are they married? You know, where do they live? You know, you ask them things that contextualise the abdominal pain and just like with a parliamentarian, you want to contextualise their background so you can understand them better. And so it sounds like you think that people should try and play the political game somewhat, even if they're approaching you, is that right? Have a, an understanding of the context so of the it's, politics it's not around a, it. I mean, some people call it a game. I think it's deadly serious. You know, politics is deadly serious. And it's, it, it demeans it to say it's game playing because it's, it's understanding the process. So um, if you are looking for a medical research grant, you just wouldn't rock up to the CEO of the institute and say, give me money. You'd say, well, what does this institute do? Um, is this, has this institute got uh, the ability to give out funding? How can I show them that I am a credible person who can do research in this institution? No one rocks up without that preparation. So why would you rock up to a decision-making body which is quite sophisticated without any understanding at all of what is going on? Yeah. So it's about having a respect for the process yeah. and a respect for the people that you're communicating with. Yeah, and... absolutely. Yeah, and, and the thing is that people kind of think it's dirty Politics isn't dirty. It is a process that has a philosophy, depending on which party you're in, has a process, depending on whether you're federal, state or council, um, and has a purpose. And the purpose is also different, depending on whether you're federal, state and council. And some people haven't taken the time to work out the difference. So if you go and ask for hospital funding and you don't understand that you should be asking the state government for hospital funding, then you haven't done your homework and you're going to be wasting your time and you'll get a nice conversation with your, with your federal member, but that they may not be as interested in helping you because clearly you're not aware of the different processes. What's the science literacy like amongst your colleagues? Oh, well, that one I probably think not as good as it could be. And I did actually do a little bit of a show of hands in, in the party room and there's definitely more people trained in the humanities than in the sciences. Um, and that's what I said when I failed at the state election. I said to the journalist who interviewed me and said, oh, you must be disappointed. I said, well, I'd like to have snowplowed for others to come behind me. I want to make sure that we have more scientists and engineers and doctors and people who have practical problem-solving skills putting their hand up to having a crack at it. It's not just for those who've done law and commerce and the humanities um, or small business owners or unionists. It's got to be also people who are in the professions and people who have a science and technology background. Now, what's surprising about Parliament is people assume that someone who has no experience in the area doesn't know anything about that area. I actually have been really impressed by how much parliamentarians know about so many things. So, it's a bit like being a GP. You have to know a little bit about everything. The, the problem with health issues and lobbying about health issues in the parliament is that there is not a big group of people who are science-based, who are, understand health all that well. They tend to leave that to the health minister or the shadow health minister and the health department. And, and so sometimes it just, it's just a matter of explaining the issue in relatively simple terms for the parliamentarians so you can get things done. So that does 
raise the fact that you've been in opposition uh, since entering politics. Has that made things more difficult for you? Being in opposition is much more difficult than being in government. That's one thing I've learnt uh, very quickly. Doesn't mean that I can't still try and influence things, but obviously it's much harder from opposition than I've been lucky in that you know, Greg Hunt, as health minister, has given me access to him. And, uh, you know, he's made it clear that if I do have concerns, um, I can contact his office and, and he'll attempt to deal with it. And he's been pretty good. So since entering politics, has it met your expectations? Well, look, I think I was pretty naive, actually. <laughs> I, look, I look back now and think, uh, what was I thinking? Uh, because... It can be quite frustrating um, getting change at a, a political and bigger picture level. But what I have found is that the, the concept of what we do in Parliament um, for the general public is really not where all the work is done. The, work, the hard work is done in committees, the hard work is done in how you lobby the, the ministers and, and the different departments to enact change. And, and I can see... You know, in, in some ways, I think that I've made a little bit of a difference. Not as much as I would like, I admit. And there, there are some things that I really want to uh, make sure that we get changed. Uh, the, the concept of child health, um, I think, needs to change. And we need to look at, at earlier and earlier interventions and supports. And in, we need to allow families of all sorts at least to have stability and at least to have their kids having access to healthcare, access to education and stable housing. And they're the sort of things that I, I really work hard on. Yeah, so it certainly sounds like persistence is Absolutely. vital in all of this, yeah? Absolutely. And persistence is something that I think is important in medicine as well when you're a clinician. Do you yeah, think that the exactly. skills you developed as a doctor are still useful in this place? Um, in a whole variety of ways they are. Um, as a physician, you're in it for the long run. Um, you know, something's important, you do learn to stick at it. And I think that's one of the things that it taught me about politics, that uh, you do have to be persistent. And just because I want something doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's a matter of keeping on to the people who have the power to make change, keeping on their doorstep. Well, I mean, I kind of think that when I was doing medical research, I never invested in one project because... If you do, it always takes a long time for one project to go ahead. So you sort of invest in a few different projects, a diversified portfolio, I suppose. So it's the same in politics. I've got myself involved in quite a lot of different projects. Um, and I used to say to my, my, my researchers, if it's a good idea, stick with it. It's not what percentage is successful per year. It's does it ever become successful? So I had 100% success rate because I never gave up. <laughs> so it's just how long you're in the game. So, you know, you, you either die or you give up. <laughs> but um, I'm hoping to be in politics for a long time and I hope that the things I champion get over the line eventually. And you just have to take the opportunities when they come and don't push against a door that's not ready. Push a little bit. Um, and if it's a really good idea, it takes one push and it's, the door is open. But the good ideas are worth sticking with because they're gold. Sometimes they're, the time's a bit early or maybe they need a bit more work on it. And it is like gold mining. Medical research is like gold mining. You've... Great. And could you give us a brief rundown about how you try and put forward your positions in Parliament and in politics? Like, what's the process that you have to go through as an MP to get your voice heard? 
Well, I think the most important thing is to understand the political process. Uh, you're a member of a government and the government has an executive. So it's a bit like when you're a member of a medical research institute, uh, the executive are making decisions about how money will be distributed, but you can influence that. So you put your ideas forward and you hope that they'll fund them. And that's the same when you start off being a young, new uh, MP, a member of parliament. You spend time convincing ministers that your ideas are good ones. Um, and you do that through a whole uh, lot of different ways. And so there's the party room itself, uh, there's um, opinion pieces. So I have a KPI for myself that I write regular opinion pieces. Uh, you float ideas. Uh, you have a lot more opportunity when in government to speak to the parliamentary executive on a regular basis. And that might be in a formal setting where you make time to see the minister. It might be an informal setting because you have a good relationship with them. Um, or it might be I send the letter, I then text her or him, and then I'm sitting in a division and I remind her or him. Um, because if you know where the the sort of current is going, you can get into the deal flow more easily. For instance, if the government wants to invest in women in STEM, then I'll say to my constituents, why don't you try and line up with this program or this grant initiative? And so what I have is an opportunity to know where the current of political thought is going and what programs and policies that are lining up that will help the constituents that I represent. And sometimes I also represent medical research groups or public health groups or, or medical advocacy groups as well, because they're my pet interests and, and education and women and climate action and you want to take on the big ideas and you want to take on the big strategies um, but you also want to get a few small wins as well so you want to have a bit of a diversified portfolio. Many thanks to Katie Allen and Mike Freelander for contributing to this episode of Pomegranate Health. With the change of government two weeks ago, Dr Freelander may now have the opportunity to see his personal vision enacted. Dr Allen sadly lost her seat, but she was replaced by another fellow, Michelle Anandaraja, whose specialty is infectious diseases. We also saw the arrival in Parliament of paediatric neurologist Monique Ryan running as an independent, and the return of gastroenterologist David Gillespie for the Nationals. And representing the RACP in the government of Aotearoa, New Zealand, is infectious diseases physician Aisha Verrill. It's certainly a comfort to know that there are such strong champions of health policy on all sides of Parliament, also at state level. If these recent episodes have piqued your interest, go to rcp.edu.au slash advocacy to find out what other campaigns you can get involved in. And at RACP Online Learning, you'll find a step-by-step -step explainer on how to make your voice count, as well as new courses on cultural safety and addiction medicine. To stay connected with colleagues, take a look at the RACP Online community. It's basically a social media app for physicians, but much more powerful. There are chat rooms for different faculties and special interest groups, and behind each of these is a useful document library where you can easily find resources that have been shared. There's also a database for helping trainees and mentors find the right fit. From the RACP homepage, look at the quick link labelled ROC to get more information and view an explanatory video. Or just go ahead and download the app. It's called RACP The Rock. Speaking of apps, you can subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or any pod browser. For the late adopters, there's even an email alerts link at the webpage recp.edu.au slash podcast. I'm Mick Cavazzini, and this podcast was recorded on Gadigal Country. I pay my respects to the storytellers who came long before me.